Good morning, good morning, Influence Church. Whether you're watching online or you're here live with us, we wanna welcome you to this day. And uh, I have a good word for you. God is not rattled. The world is rattled, but God is okay. And when you go with God, you're gonna be okay, amen? You know, we're gonna look back one day on this day, and we're gonna say, oh, that's what God was up to. That's what God was doing. You see, the words of Habakkuk have never been truer. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your day that you would not believe if told. You see, when things operate in the spiritual realm, it is confusing in the natural realm. And we tend to gravitate and react in the natural to what God is doing in the supernatural. And so that's why we get confused. We say, what's happened to our world? Nothing. We're just proving we're human. That's all we're doing. You see, the demonstration of humanity, especially fallen humanity, is always chaos. In your personal life, isn't that true? Get just a little bit away from God and don't you find chaos in your life? And you say, wow, I've gotta get back to God. Because what? You see something happening in the natural realm, you know it's contrary to the spiritual realm, so it draws you back. Did you ever think that maybe God is drawing people back unto him? And there's so many headlines, I, you know, I'm just, I don't even know where to start. Because all of them just are just rich with opportunity to talk about. And there's an old adage in the newspaper business, if it, if it bleeds, it reads. And so the more sensational you can get, the better off it is. And you read the story and you find out, well, that's a little bit different story. That's why if you wanna read the headlines, read the ones in your Bible. You're always gonna be in good shape, amen? I wanna give you a couple of headlines today. Here's the first one. A George Washington statue in Portland toppled, covered in a burning U.S. flag. Now, I don't know how you react to that. I don't know what goes through your mind when you see that. For me, it's, it's sad. It brings a little bit of sadness to my heart. But at the same time, I realize that I'm living in a, in a country that allows freedom of speech, even if it's speech I don't like. And see, sometimes we don't want to be First Amendment. We don't want to be Second Amendment. We don't want to be Fifth Amendment. We don't want to be any amendment. We just want our world to stay the way it is. I got news for you. It's too late. Everything is changing in our world. But guess what? Everything has always been changing in our world. You ever heard somebody say, I remember the good old days? They weren't so good. Go back and read about those days. They weren't that great. Here's another headline. Ring of fire eclipse could be a sign of the apocalypse sending darkness over the Holy Land. That happened this morning, by the way, in Israel. As far as I know, no apocalypse has happened. A little bit of a sensationism going on there. But you know what it does is it reminds us about something in the Word of God. In the book of Genesis, in the first chapter, God said he made the sun, the moon, and the stars and they were for days and months and signs and seasons. Do you realize that God put the heavenly bodies in the air for us for one reason, 
in addition to many others, but that they might be a sign for us. You see, when the world stops and looks at an eclipse in the sky, it's a reminder that God is in control, that something is bigger than this world. It takes your mind off for a moment of what's going on on this physical planet, and you look into the heavenly planets and see what's going on. We're going to talk more about that on July 4th. There's another one coming. It's going to actually be here in the United States. I think it's significant, and uh, we will talk about that on the July 4th weekend. Let me take you to the Word of God, Luke chapter 21. And there will be signs in the sun. Now just pause and think about that. There's going to be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. There's those three heavenly witnesses, Genesis 1.14. And on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. Could you say we could relate to that scripture a little bit today? Now, it's not the first time you could relate to it, but it's the first time in recent history that you could call out nations. See, nations is a relatively new term. And the nations are all of a sudden, the nations now, all the nations, how do we know the other nations are in perplexity because of the times we live? You see, you could have a nation 2,000 years ago somewhere, but you didn't know anything about it, and you certainly didn't know that they were perplexed or going through the same thing you were going through. So this points to the, the newness of this prophecy here. Look what it says. Let's read it again. The distress of the nations. Our nations are in distress. They're perplexed. How do we fix this? What is the right answer? What's the direction that we need to take? Men's hearts are failing with fear. I've never known a time in our history where there was this much fear. When I was a child, we had drills where we got underneath the desk in our school and, and uh, protected ourselves from the atomic fallout that Russia was going to bring on us. Nobody ever really thought that was going to help, but it just made everybody feel better. And the expectation of those things which are coming. So what's coming? If this is what's coming, I sat down with a friend of mine and I said, hey, five years ago, if I had asked you to write down what do you think five years from today will look like, do you think you would have written any of this? Absolutely not. So I just want to encourage you all to write five years into the future and see how good you get it. Amen? All right. What is the challenge of our day? We have challenges. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Juneteenth. The day when the final slaves in America were notified of their emancipation, I posted on my Instagram, I celebrated that. We should celebrate things like that. You see, in the natural realm, it's a picture of redemption in the spiritual realm. That Christ came to set us free. And when we see something happen in the natural realm that reflects into the spiritual realm, we should rejoice in it. Because all of us long to be set completely free. The Bible says we're in bondage in this creation right now. We're in turmoil. Even creation itself is in turmoil, longing for the liberation of the sons of God. One day we will be free. 
One day we will truly be free, and it won't be because of some act of legislation. It will be because King Jesus will set us free, every one of us, and it won't matter what color or whatever's going on in our life, what race, what language we speak, we will be free indeed in that day and give God the glory because that day is coming. Amen? Habakkuk the prophet wondered about what was happening in his day, just as we do. He said this in Habakkuk 1, uh, verse 2 through 4, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Have you ever spoken those words? You ever said that, God, I'm crying out to you and I don't hear you? I don't see you working. I don't see evidence of your hand. If you're human, then you've had that experience. Because it is perplexing to move into the hand and the will of God and wonder what he's up to and when he's going to get something done that you're really heartfelt on believing him for. Then he said, even cry out to you, violence. God, do you see the violence in our land and you will not save? God, why don't you do something? Why do you not show me, why do you show me inequity and cause me to see trouble? God, I don't want to see trouble. I just want to live in a Pollyanna world. I want to live in a world that's free of problems and struggles and difficulties. Well, that doesn't exist on this side of eternity. It's coming, but it's not now. He said, for the plundering and violence are before me. This sounds like it could be written in a newspaper today, doesn't it? Plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. Very contemporary, isn't it? You know, the Bible is the most contemporary book ever written and it never goes out of style. People say, well, I, I read the Bible one time. It was boring. No, you're boring. Bible's not boring. Bible's exciting. For the wicked surround the righteous, therefore perverse judgment proceeds. Okay, welcome to the world. I wrote in my book, uh, One Nation Without Law, these words, even though freedom has been elevated to such a high level, it is nearly impossible to find a situation in which we can eliminate virtue. Modern man is torn between freedom and virtue. Freedom is usually preferred until one person's freedom to choose encroaches on another's individual freedom. When this happens, there's a cry for justice. An easy illustration of that would be I'm driving down the road going five miles over the speed limit. Somebody passes me going 10. They get caught and I rejoice. Because we all know five's the limit. Don't look at me like you're righteous. You say, 10 over, what, where, where did that, what state are you from? But let me give you another illustration. I thought this was, was kind of a fun headline. It says, Beverly Hills tells Black Lives Movement protesters to scram. Gatherings limited to 10 at night for tranquility. And I, and I read that and I thought to myself, I seem to remember a lot of support from Hollywood elite about the Black Lives Movement and, and protest but why don't they want them in their mansions? You see, there's something different that happens when it happens to you. What is the destiny of our nation, of any nation? 
Ever wondered that? Do you know that you have a personal destiny with God? That God has written your name in his heart and God holds you dear? It says He says you're like a royal diadem in his hand and he turns that jewel every way to see every facet of your life and to gaze into the beauty of who you are in his creation, that you have a destiny with God. And everything that God has put into you right now is for the purpose of glorifying God, enjoying life, and doing good to others. That's why he created you. But you have a destiny that not only builds on what's happening today, but it is eternal, and without an understanding of fully what that means, it has got to be amazing. Because God said, if this you think this is good, wait till you get there. But now do the good here you need to prepare you for the good there. Amen? This is what Isaiah says in 520. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. There's been a a flipping of, of an understanding what is good and what is evil, and that's why the topic of virtue is so important. You know, if you say, well, what is virtue? You, you have to have some qualities to say, this is a good thing and this is a bad thing. Where would you get that except from the word of God? You see, there has to be an absolute source of truth somewhere for you to be able to determine what is good and what is evil. You can't just arbitrarily or take consensus and find out what is good and what is evil. Germany tried that in 1939. They determined, they thought to themselves, there's a race of people that are not worthy of our love and our acceptance and our protection. And they had a consensus among leaders, and they had a consensus in a nation that was going through a terrible, terrible recession and depression. And so they would, they would turn for anything. They would do anything just to get relief. And whenever you find yourself in a situation where you will do anything, you will say anything, you will follow anybody, you'll write anything, you'll copy anything, you'll do anything because your survival becomes more important than your virtue, then you understand something about the power of the Word of God. And there is a, there is a, there's a lack of leadership in our world to stand courageously on truth. You can't just stand here in this building. You have to stand out there in every place you go. You have to be strong and say, God will protect me somehow. And if he doesn't, then you're going to be like the, like the Hebrew boys thrown into the fiery furnace. And, the, and they said, we will not bend and we will not bow to the king because God is our king. And if we burn, we burn. And guess what will happen in the middle of all of that? You remember what happened in that story? The king came down and he said, how many men did we throw in the fiery furnace? And he said, three. And he said, I see four walking about in the fiery furnace and the fourth is like the son of God. You see, whenever you stand, God brings miracles. Whenever you fold, you're looking for miracles. Stand in the middle of the fire and the miracles will show up. Jesus will show up in the middle of your fire. Amen? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You ever had the feeling like something's mixed up in our world right now? It's like it's just out of sync out of balance somehow, right? I mean, like, that's not good, and that's not good, and, you know, we're just confused. I don't know how it's possible that you can have a protest and not get COVID-19. 
but you can walk out of your car and get it. I, I, I'm confused in my world. And, and these are the kind of things we say to each other. We just don't expect for me to say them up here. When this first started, I was wiping down the handles on my car every time I got in it. Now I just, oh, what the heck? I'm done. We've got a children's camp coming up, you know? We surveyed all the parents. How many of you want your kids to come to camp? All of them, take them. <laughs> After you have them for a while, you just say, yeah, we'll get over the COVID. Well, I can't get over this, though. There's a lot of Here's another quote from uh, One Nation Without Law. In one sense, we are all guilty of unraveling society. Right? We all are. To the extent that we do not do good. You see, some people think, well, I didn't do anything wrong, but did you do anything good? Did you affect change in the good? Did you do something as simple as vote? Just simple. Not even telling you how to vote, just exercising a right of American citizenship. Did you vote? If you didn't vote, vote this time. And I won't tell you how to vote, but I'll give you some hints. <laughs> to the extent we do not do good, we extend the arm of evil and we foster injustice in our world. Let's do good. Hey, as a people, we should evolve in our understanding of one another. We should be a better nation today than we were 100 years ago. Because we've had time to get, gain perspective and look at life and consider people and to grow as human beings. We should all be doing that on an individual level. I want to be a better human being today than I was yesterday. I want to be kinder. I want to be closer to God. I, I want to be more responsible. I want to be a better leader. All those things, that should always be the heartbeat of how we live out our life. Amen? Michael Sandel, Harvard University, one of my favorite writers, he said this, Aristotle teaches that justice means giving people what they deserve. And in order to determine who deserves what, we have to determine what virtues are worthy of honor and, and reward. What do you reward in your household? What do you reward in your community? What do you reward in our nation? What do we reward? Those are virtues. We say we should reward those kind of virtues that are good. When you, when you try to reward bad behavior, you disintegrate a nation. You, you can't reward bad and expect good. Can you imagine raising your children that way? Listen, every time you do something wrong, we're going to give you something. I seem to remember the opposite thing happening in my household. My dad was a colonel in the Army, and he was in military intelligence, and there wasn't a day when I wasn't under some kind of control, I'm sure. He used to grab my wrist, take my, my pulse, and then look at my eye pupils to see if I was lying. It's a hard life. The only blessing I got was he went to bed early. I could come in late, you know, and then I could go to bed in lies. In the morning, he'd wake up and he'd go, what'd you do last night? Yeah, I, I just come clean. I, I stole three cars. I robbed the 7-Eleven. And I'd just make a big, up a big story, you know, and he'd go, okay, well, that's good. I'm glad you told me the truth. But what about the future? What is the future God has planned? 
Aren't you interested in that? Aren't you interested in the, in, in the tomorrow of your life and what it looks like and how you can, can enjoy that life? Titus chapter two says this, for the grace of God that bring, brings salvation has appeared to all men. God has appeared to all men. It doesn't matter how remote a village there is in the world, there is a revelation of God there. Romans chapter one says, enough information, this natural revelation to bring them to the almighty God. There is that special revelation that comes through either a spoken word or a miracle or an angel or uh, the, the, the word of God itself that comes. God has brought salvation to all, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. You have to deny that stuff. Because if you don't deny it, you're gonna do it. Hello? Am I right? Anybody here sinless? That's good. If you're sinless, you, you can leave. We're gonna all be intimidated by you. But it says that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. What are we supposed to do? We got salvation. He says, okay, do this stuff. Be a godly person. You know, turn away from evil. Live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. And while you're doing that, guess what you get to do? You get to look, look at this, for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. So what do I do? I live my life in the right way, but I go, I always got one eye on heaven. I'm looking for your return, but in the meantime, I'm gonna do what you called me to do. Who gave himself, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people who are zealous for good works. So when God purifies you, guess what he does in that purification process? He gets you ready to do good stuff. To do the virtuous things we talk about, the good things. Joel Rosenberg, who's a, a writer in, in End Time Events, says this, the Bible does not tell us about the future of America. This is America's most dangerous hour. We need to pray for repentance and revival. We need to plead for the Lord to grant us a great awakening. Can you say amen? Can you put your hands together? That's what we need. We need a great move of God. When the Spirit of God came over Wales in 1904 and it swept that nation in two years, it wasn't planned, it wasn't promoted, there was no media support, it was one coal miner who was preaching the gospel and all of a sudden the Spirit of God took, took hold and that, that nation experienced some 200,000 plus salvations in two years. It so radically revolutionized the country that all the jails were empty. The miners in, in those coal areas in, in Wales that used the mules to pull the coal out on cars, because that's how they did it in that day, they had so transformed their language that the mules couldn't understand the language of the newly converted miners. I think you understand what I'm talking about. Some things don't get to have illustrations. Paul Bilheimer said the only force in the world that is contesting Satan's total rule in human affairs is the church of the living God. You realize you're shock absorbers in the world? You're shock absorbers. But you're also light and salt penetrating the world wherever you go with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even if you don't open your mouth, guess what? The Spirit of God in you is a convicting force in the world. You're a walking, moving temple of the living God. 
In the Old Testament, it was the Ark of the Covenant. And when the Ark of the Covenant came, all the enemies got afraid. Guess what you are? You're like an Ark of the Covenant. And you're moving. The Spirit of God is on you. And you're proclaiming just like that ark did when they put the blood on the top that there's a cleansing. There's a cleansing that comes from knowing God. There's not perfection in, in, a, in us, but there is a cleansing that comes. And inside that ark of the covenant were the Ten Commandments. Guess what? The law of God is always true. And it will go with you wherever you go. You say, well, I haven't memorized much verses. You'd be surprised how much you remember when you have to. Amen? But don't let that be the only strategy you have. Build up in your heart the Word of God. He said, if there were nothing to hinder him, Satan would make hell out of this world here and now. The only saving and healing virtue in the howling deserts of human life flows from the cross of Calvary. Amen? Don't ever let the cross get old in your life. Don't ever be able to say Jesus died for my sins without thoughtful reflection on what that means to know God and to know the forgiveness of God, amen? So what can we expect in the days ahead? I think one thing we can expect according to scripture is greater distinction between true Christians and false. You see, the parables that are told in, in Matthew chapter 13, there's seven kingdom parables there, and they all will tell you this message right here. The parable of the soils, there's only one that's saved out of four. But you see, when the truth comes, it shines bright in our world, amen? Just shine bright in your world for Jesus Christ. The second thing is, you can expect to have protection from the evil one. Just expect it. I am protected. I am covered in the blood of Christ. I am a son of the living God. I am a child of God. Sons and daughters who proclaim the name of the Lord, they have protection. Doesn't mean you don't have problems, it means you have protection. There's two different things there. And then I think you also can expect greater spiritual power. Do you know what happens when you say, I, God, I wanna take all the power you have for me, now. I'm gonna walk in the power of God right now. Do you know what happens? It happens. What, you know what happens when you go like, I just don't have much power, I don't know what's going on. You know what happens? That happens. You see, the word, the prophetic word of your lip does make a difference. When you start to look at life and say, I'm gonna figure out how to do life well in this season of changing, chaotic moments that I live. I will find how to do life, and I will do life in a good way for God. Amen? You know, I was, uh, we have our food distribution center out here. We just want to encourage you, if you would like some free groceries, just drive around and we're going to help you out. We're giving away tons of food, tons of food. We got more than we know what to do with sometimes. We want to bless you, but we also want to bless others. And it was so good this week, I was able to, to connect with somebody and I told him about it. He said, oh, my friend doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have work right now. And I said, well, have him come and get food. And he got back to me, he said he came by, he was so thankful for food. You realize when you do that, and we're, there's no expectations. We don't take anybody's name. We don't ask them if you go to church here, don't go to church here, and you have to go to church here. We just want to bless people in the name of Jesus. And we'll open the door. So I walked out last week, and there was a van there, and there were five kids in it. And... Uh, I said, hey, just glad we're able to help you out. Oh, we just feel a little guilty, nothing to feel guilty about. Hey, somebody give me free food, I'm taking it. 
Amen? Amen? And I want you to come back every week. Just come back every week, you know. Roll down the back window. There's four little boys in the back seat, you know. Hey, we're here to minister in this environment. This crisis opened up an opportunity for us to feed people by the thousands. But we wouldn't have done that without this crisis. Thank God for what you can in a crisis for what God allows you to do in a season of living. Amen? Extend the hand of salvation. You know, the Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You hear that promise? Not might be saved, will be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. When you call on his name, when you believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he shed his blood for you and your sins, and that he rose from the dead to give you eternal life, the Bible says when you put your faith in that event, you believe the word of God is true, the Bible says salvation comes to you. That you are a son of the living God, you're a daughter of the Lord. That you are now a part of the kingdom of God. What a great message that is, that's true freedom. It's when I've been set free of my sins and my guilt and all the other stuff that goes with it, amen? So I wanna just invite you right now to pray a prayer like this one. Whether you're watching online or whether you're in this live room, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you were buried in a tomb and on the third day you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. And by faith I put my trust in you. Save me, Lord Jesus. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Give me the power and the gift of salvation right now. In Jesus' name, if that was your prayer, just thank him. Just thank him right where you are. If you're watching online, you can just write that message in, today I received Christ. Or if you're a Christian, say, today I, I, I turned my life over to God and I renewed my faith in Jesus Christ afresh. Amen.